So we'll start with a little background and then we'll have the question answer sessions. We are living in an age of synthesis and much that we see happening now including the conflicts are basically because we are striving towards a better understanding and towards a greater synthesis. Various kinds of divisions we have lived by, for instance, division between religion and science, reason and faith, head and the heart, God and world, creator and creation, and to put it uh, more squarely, matter and spirit. That's what is the old world. Old world is a world of division by its very nature. The last gulf is between matter and spirit, from which comes the logical conclusion that there is a material life and there is a spiritual life, and the two are different. They are gazing away from each other, which would mean that there are two realities, not one. One is material reality, which we need to deal with, and there is a spiritual reality which we need to deal with. But man's instinctive need for one truth has created another way of dealing with this uh, false conflict, artificial conflict. Why it is false and artificial, we will talk about it in a few moments. So, one way of Trying to resolve this conflict is that there is only material reality. There is no spiritual reality. <laughs> we use the word material monism. And as I said, it leaves many a gaps in our understanding. Because if matter is all, then matter, atoms, they are fundamentally unconscious. And how is it that consciousness is emerging out of something which is unconscious? This nowadays in biology we use the word evolutionary gap. For example, we explain biological organisms and thinking creature called man on the basis of genes. So the problem comes if genes are creating man including all his thoughts. Same with neuronal activity creating thought. So that which is explained and the basis on which it is being explained is a big gap. The neurons don't think themselves. So how is it that the neuronal activity is giving rise to thought? Unless we say that there is fundamentally thought implicit inside it in some way. It is, Shobinda would use the word involved. Take for example, when two wires join together, there is a flow of electricity. Why? Because electricity is implicit. If it is not implicit, you can join all the wires in the world and there will be no, no flow of current. So this is... Um, um, one of the gaps when we take to only material monism, that there is nothing else but matter. Apart from that, it leads to a very dismal view of life, though, well, if that is the fact, it is a fact, but it leads to a gap between the instinct within man of beauty, harmony, truth, peace upon earth. You know, we often talk about statistics and I ask people, Go around the world and conduct a data survey that what do you want, peace or agitation, harmony or disorder, love or hatred, health and well-being vis-a-vis disease and sickness and I am sure regardless of the nationality, language, culture, custom, gender, Cutting across huge spaces of time from the first humanity moving on earth <laughs> to most modern times, the answer will be same. Do we really need to study for that? Now, where is this answer coming from? This instinct for these things. If matter is the sole reality, then it shouldn't matter. As Russell put it, matter doesn't matter. Mind, never mind. <laughs> it's a huge gap. So material monism is being done away with. Even in echelons of science, people are beginning to wonder that how is consciousness emerging? Now people try to explain it away on the basis of neurons and all this. But as I said, it's 
not going into all these details because it's it's a you know more of a scientific treatise then there was another monism that there is spiritual monism there is nothing else but the spirit so it lead to another problem it led to another problem what is matter what is this material life so it was again explained away just as materialists have explained away spirituality <laughs> and spirit the spiritualist explained away material life by saying it's an illusion this was a grand explanation it's it's a, the problem is when the pin pricks it's for real <laughs> it's it's real the experience is real right here uh, there are ways one can explain it away the question there is that who is then having this illusion if the soul reality is brahman then brahman is having this illusory experience and how is he trapped into this illusion this leads to another problem jagat mithya brahma satya it also leads to it was explained in another way that there is a spiritual reality where there is god he is a good guy all the good qualities are embodied in him the perfect one and there is this world which is given to the bad guy so there are two realities one is bright and the other is dark and for some reason they are fighting they are not happy with each other's domain and where is the battle taking place within man this is the battlefield the kurukshetra and forever man is caught that's why we see all these issues and there are various ways as i said this is a problem of thought this is a problem of life because we need to resolve it if really there is a good guy out there and there is a bad guy out here then the, the other question is who or what created so there are two realities then there is not one which creates again a problem of thought because if we really look into the heart of the matter the origin has to be one it cannot be two by the very plain common sense logic of things so now we are entering into an age where we need to create a synthesis and the synthesis that we are trying to look at is from the other point of view because we have not seen the other point of view we have always talked about you know material reality vis-a-vis -vis spiritual reality and from the other point of view from the point of view of spirit and matter it is spirit that becomes matter by a process of successive what shubhendra has used the word involutions just as a tree becomes a seed or white becomes black black is not an absence of light black is an involution of light that's how the whole truth is you know it's hidden inside it just that it will express itself so by an involution by process of successively or if you want to use a more technical term by condensation just as vapor becomes ice or the fourth or fifth state of matter at least fourth state we are aware of plasma the difference between plasma the fourth state of matter and this matter is that this is dense it becomes dense condensed by process of concentration becomes dense and therefore we have this state now when we take this view then we begin to understand that matter has been created or material life has been created for the manifestation of the spirit it is a field for the expression so the first thing that is healed within us is that there is a material life i want to lead it there is a spiritual life i want to lead that and i am caught between the two i am caught between the two because i have understood neither but when we understand that material life and all its manifold activities including relationships children marriage everything that we can imagine and everything means every every everything science and art and um, geography everywhere history we can look at it from the point of view of the spirit as a progressive manifestation now the moment we use the word manifestation it means it is progressive it, it's something which is unrolling itself in terms of time and space so something which is forever perfect and that's why there is this need for perfection if there was nothing which was ever perfect there would be no need there is as i said instinctively whatever our belief and non beliefs may be ask a person why are you angry do you want to be angry no i don't want to be angry 
So why are you angry? Look around. There is so much injustice. So what do you want? Justice. Why? If matter is the only reality, there is disorder, confusion, uh, quantum world with all its <laughs> uh, randomness. It's to be expected. We should be happy. I mean, that's what is to be ex expected. And we have to just accept it that life is the way it is. But it is not because there is a, in us a need for perfection. Lot of unhappiness in life is because of that. Two people fight with each other. They want to separate. They are frustrated with each other. Why? Because they expect that the other person should be Mr. or Miss Perfect. Loving, caring, everything. Name all the qualities, you know. I often narrate these incidents of uh, someone whom I knew who gave an advertisement for his fifth marriage. And he had all the list of qualities which he wanted to give in the newspaper. And he came to me in the morning that, look, you know, I want to give an advertisement. So he was a good friend. I said, look here, such a model doesn't exist upon earth. Drop the wanted a perfect husband. She got five. So please be careful what you are asking for. <laughs> you want everything. But this need is there. Because intrinsically deep within us, there is a state of perfection. Basically, but we don't find it outside. So we want to create it outside by outside beings. And that's where we miss the point. Basically, we are not limited by outside. We are limited by inside. And as is our state of consciousness... So is the world we enjoy. Often, you know, say, lovely country, I mean, all countries are wonderful. Every place has its own beauty and charm. And so when people ask sometimes that, okay, they want to, you know, immigrate and go to a better place and all. So I say, you take a statistical survey, are people happy? Happiness is not, a, you know, dependent on external change. If you may change for various reasons, but it should be very clear. Okay, I want to earn money, that's a valid point. But don't say I'll be happy. Happiness is an inner condition. You can't find happiness by changing circumstances. You can find happiness by touching that state of consciousness which is naturally happy. As I said, children are naturally happy. There is a state within us which is full of joy. It doesn't matter where we are. And there is a state within us which is full of anxiety, full of fears. You may be anywhere which way in the world, but fear will find its way. If you are not afraid of the terrorist with his guns, you will be afraid of the income tax person. You will be afraid of the police. You will be afraid of nothing else. But within, there are fears. Oh, what may happen if I go and the car meets with an accident? Let's get an insurance done. So you get an insurance done, again the fear is there. Fears. Because it's a state of consciousness. So yoga, what it does, it touches this, this point. State of consciousness must change. This is the first necessity. Shobindo defines yoga like that, that it's a change of consciousness. Fundamentally, it's about a change of consciousness. And where do we begin? We begin with the state of consciousness in which we are in. That's the only material given to us. How do we upgrade it? By putting it in contact with that consciousness which is perfect. So that's where the leap of faith comes in, that implicit. I'm trying to put it logically that because there is an instinctive need and uh, you know human beings want perfection. So there is a perfect consciousness and we try to come in contact with it. How to come in contact with it? Well, we can start by reading books, but reading books can be a preparation. It can... Uh, Act at one point as a catalyst or a tipping point. Okay, I have read enough, I want to be in touch with it. But it, it's not the actual contact. It's a very indirect contact if you like. It's like somebody comes and says, you know what, Himalaya is so wonderful. Oh, is it? Wow. Can you show me some pictures? So you show the pictures. I have got even a video film. So people will see a video film. Now these are indirect means of contact. They help us so that they may trigger an earth that maybe it's worth visiting but it's one thing to watch a video film on Mount Everest expedition quite another to undertake the journey with the pilgrim staff and say okay I want to climb Mount Everest 
the moment this urge awakens which we have been speaking of as aspiration that i want to climb mount everest i want to come in contact with this perfect consciousness the journey has started this aspiration yesterday or day before we are talking about he who chooses the infinite has been chosen by the infinite so in different ways some someone will say ki bulawa aa gaya you know you you have the call shubhendra has used the word call often people ask what is initiation in this yoga initiation in this yoga is not given by somebody outside it is a call for the yoga you want you have a call for this adventure you want to undertake this journey and the journey is towards the perfection which we have tried to find outside and we haven't found one option is we can become cynics and be angry be full of grudge and complain that doesn't help whomever we complained against including god <laughs> god is at peace or we can try the other route that okay maybe there is this route i have not tried what would a logical man do he'll try the other route he's desperate he needs water he says instead of dying out of thirst let me try maybe there is water <laughs> so there is the other route and the other route is not outside but going within within means going from one layer of consciousness to another to another to another till you reach the perfect one so the contact starts with aspiration now this contact has to grow it's not enough to have a momentary one day feeling that yes there is something very nice yeah it's worth achieving this contact has to grow how do we grow contact we call up somebody who is a friend and you know we stay in touch that's what it said no stay in touch so how do we stay in touch once we have the aspiration now we see various means meditation is one way to stay in touch get in touch prayer is another way to get in touch think about the divine or the perfect one call him by whatever name doesn't matter even mr x it doesn't matter is to stay in touch to seek is to get in touch to have a quest the quest sublime the greatest adventure mankind has ever undertaken people have this wrong and crazy idea that spirituality means all the escapists i can tell you it's the toughest adventure really worthy of manhood it's far more easy to go to antarctica and now to it is very easy anyways <laughs> far more difficult to struggle with one's ego and anger there is a very nice line of bulesha the great saint he says you have fought with the whole world isse ladiya usse ladiya apni nafas to ladiya nahi you didn't fight with your ego the only thing which was worth fighting against you fought with everyone keeping that real devil inside but you didn't fight with this so how will you have peace apni nafas to ladiya nahi you know you have not fought with that enemy and this is a very difficult enemy because it can wear thousand masks literally like rakt beej of you know it wears 10000 marks you slay one mask it will come as another even spiritual mask i am a spiritual man i am a good man i am a moral man i am a ethical man i am a righteous man there is none like me i am an instrument of god all these are masks of the ego and only when all these masks are gone that we discover this perfect consciousness for which there are many paths there are as we said there are specialized practices people have gone given their life you know just as often i say this when people outrightly just rubbish spirituality so i tell them you know think about great scientists like einstein and newton and many others physical scientists or darwin or biological scientists who are playing with you know the genes just imagine how much labor they have gone into it supposing i say that all this is rubbish without really doing that labor going into it i'm just uh, you know it's called an a priori denial shubhendra puts it in the life divine is a priori denial of the materialist the least i can do it say maybe i am not inclined to it but these people have done so much labor 
salutations. <laughs> Similarly, the spiritual man is a scientist. Look at just one example. Of course, we are talking of Shirobindo, Shirobindo, Mother Swami Vivekananda, Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa, Raman Maharshi for years and years and years. Look at Shirobindo. He he could you know with his erudition, master of thirty-two languages, educated in Cambridge. In the Indian freedom movement, he is being hailed as the the master leader. Men like Tagore are saying, "I bow down to you. You lead, and we shall follow you." And someone of that caliber, capacity, for whom writing poetry like was like you know uh, opening the tap and <laughs> putting your hands below it. <laughs> and what a poetry! He could write poetry incidentally in not only English but. any idea greek latin french italian sanskrit there is a whole upanishad sri arvind upanishad where he ends by saying jagat mithya jagat satyam na mithya brahma satyam na mithya and ends by saying amritasya putra anandasya putra he gives us a new identity you are children of immortality you are children of bliss now imagine For twenty-four years, Shurbindo goes into complete seclusion, nineteen twenty-six to nineteen fifty. Prior to that, from nineteen ten to nineteen twenty-six, he is engaged in this, uh, you know, new spirituality, the new age that is going to come. What would be that? That labor. He writes it in one of his poems: "A God's labor." I have been digging deep and long mid a horror of filth and mire a bed for the golden river song a home for the deathless fire oh how they mock and jeer at me both gods and men they jeer it's not possible how can you establish that light upon earth says look at lines of sabitri flowing through what was the labor and for whose sake shubindu says that i am not doing anything for my own sake i could have easily i i don't need sachidanand or anything because he had all these realizations before coming to pondicherry vasudevam sarvamiti all these realizations he had no need he should have just stayed and been happy hundreds of disciples around him but he didn't do that he kept on digging deep to establish that light that consciousness that truth because he had seen that this is the age and it was given to him to establish this contact now can we imagine that that when he would give a darshan there are people who in one moment they were so changed singapore's ex president devan nair he recounts in his memoir somebody told him and uh, you know many of the things he started till now you know people regard him as somebody who really was so much instrumental in bringing up of uh, this place so he went and he is thinking oh people uh, say uh, meet the mother he is looking around what will i tell her then he looks around and says maybe i'll tell her well oh, great lady you have done a good job he had this in mind because he saw ashram is a nice place everything is neat beautiful so he said maybe i'll tell her he is a big man uh, great lady you have done a good job i'll pat her back and she'll be very happy to hear from such a big man a praise <laughs> when he goes there he loses himself he says where am i standing <laughs> before this vastness this light this infinity that's the contact momentary contact which was enough to transform now that tapas that tejas can we imagine finding the perfect consciousness is big enough task but people have found it various forms of yoga the vedanta yoga the tantra yoga kundalini yoga and you know various forms of yoga many unknown yoga which we don't use the word yoga but they are a kind of yoga whatever happened later on is a different story all religions started with yoga the founder was a yogi but the men who received it turned it into what it is today because especially unless you have a tradition of living people who can really 
rejuvenate it, explore another way, which happened in India. That's why it survived. Otherwise, um, everywhere, when when a yogi reached some point and gave a beautiful truth, humanity received it in a very mental way and made a fixed structure around it, crystallized it and turned it into a formal religion and that was the end of the whole story. But yoga is very different. Yoga is not religion. Yoga is not moral and uh, ethical life, though they are steps towards that. They are steps because in the great ascension everything is needed. So, the next step that Sri was trying and that was his effort, how this spiritual life, this tremendous consciousness, not just spiritual life, the highest, the perfect consciousness, how it can be integrated with our everyday life here. That's why he gave this Mahavakya, all life is yoga. Just to take an example from which we can see how it works, Somebody, let's say, receives the original music from Shiva. That's how it is supposed to be in Indian thought. <laughs> Where does music come from? Shiva played the Damru and the Nada and they received music. Basically, it's that there is a state of consciousness that transcends the instruments, transcends time and space from where the first stir or the Nad comes. So, imagine a yogi receives the music from there. Now he says that, well, I want to give you this music. But I know it is very difficult going up there and finding it. But I want to give you in practical way. So give me an instrument. But I need an instrument. So what are, whatever instruments are there, somebody keeps on from rock. They keep evolving, evolving. Finally, they bring tabla. Can you? You say, you know what? Tabla may look like damru, but I can't take out this. I have the music inside, but I need a perfect instrument. Now, instruments are created by matter, by the action of the forces of nature. That's exactly where the problem comes. Why we are not able to manifest perfection is because instruments, as of now, nature has not created instruments which can manifest the perfect consciousness. It has created instruments which can manifest the animal and the human consciousness. It's like a, if you have to run a solar engine, or have solar lighting, you can't say I have all the connections fitted inside. Uh, can I just hold a magnifying glass and draw sun rays and start activating them? What do people say? They will say, don't be a fool. You need proper solar panels. You can't do it otherwise. So how expensive are solar panels? Oh, they are very expensive. Ah, then I better use electricity. This is one line of thought. Another line of thought is, that this is being penny-wise, pound-foolish. What is the price for making these instruments capable of manifesting? Loss of ego. Difficult. But once we do it, once it is done for us, then the rest of life is wonderful. So this is the whole process, essentially, these instruments which are running under the pressure of, uh, they are habituated to the forces of nature. That's why by habit, much of what we do is habit, which includes thinking. We think we are free thinking. No, it's habit and conditioning. If we are really free thinking, I often raise this question to some people. Oh, I am a free thinker. I said, okay, stop your thought. End of the story. If you are a free thinker, means you have a mastery over thought and you are able to think what you want to think. Alright, if that be the case, if you are a master of thought, stop your thought. Let's see. How many seconds? How many minutes? How many seconds? How many moments? You can't. So there is no free thinking. It just out of habit thoughts come. They enter into this brain box called instrument. They trigger a process of neuronal action and... It is experienced in our cognitive subjective space as a series of sounds and words to which we give the symbol meaning of, you know, symbol meaning. And that's the whole end. That's why it's so difficult to explain perception. A simple thing like perception is, is very difficult to, you know, we take it for granted. Oh, this is a book that is, uh, we don't know actually how it works. By pure neural network, you can't explain it. So that's the whole process. Now, 
out of habit we get a train of thoughts out of habit we get a train of feelings out of habit we are impelled like you know animal um, states like anger fear suspicion they are nothing but habits of the cells even hunger and mother would go to the extent she would say death is a habit because that's how we are tuned to the cells have out of habit it's gone into them that they must after a time wither away and die so all the genetic you know even genes is not not simple like so is the gene therefore it is there there are things like genetic switches there are many possibilities so these habits the chains that bind us because lower nature has created these instruments for its own expression now when we have to upgrade what is the first thing we have to do see how logical are the process of yoga you want to get your car engine upgraded there was earlier in india this cng stuff no so you to upgrade the engine so what we have to do we have to can i say i'll just keep roaming around please upgrade you say what kind of i mean are you a logical person <laughs> you at least leave the car with me for a day no no i want to continue running my car he'll say then continue running the car you have to make a choice so what do we do when we have to upgrade we leave the car for a day with the cng for person isn't it what do we do when we have to upgrade the computer so same way when we have to upgrade this consciousness we have to give it time and quietude if we keep on running here and there and going everywhere and then suddenly we expect there will be transformation no we and second we have to hand it over to that power of person or consciousness which can upgrade it if i go and just park my car somewhere at a normal gas station and i say please upgrade to cng he says sorry sir this is not the place for it here you can only get the normal regular petrol can't upgrade so we have to find the right place quiet in the mind hand it over this handing over is called surrender <coughs> when we hand over a consciousness that has become quiet this is our part even otherwise we can hand over then eventually what will the um, uh, transforming power do it has to now labor to first make it quiet <laughs> so he'll switch off and we'll say oh my car is not running yeah this is a phase it has to go through either you switch off or somebody else will do it and then it will upgrade it will take time so we need patience perseverance trust surrender all life is about it when we go and give our car to a mechanic we have this trust isn't it he will set it right now if you go to a mechanic and ask him 100 questions that are you sure do you guarantee what will he say check check my credentials no no that's not enough i want to know for sure he'll say sir please take your car go to some other mechanic the irony of life is we trust a mechanic but we don't trust the divine so strange we trust the ignorant consciousness of man but don't trust the perfect consciousness so by handing over these natural instruments and handing over also means whatever work we are doing now we will start turning them orient reorienting them so that they can be more and more given handed over to the perfect consciousness in this yoga that dynamic side of the perfect consciousness which can change things the shakti is the divine mother's power so when we turn things to the divine mother remember her try to think of her feel her in the heart we have give our will to her ask her for inspiration guidance then what we are doing we are handing over progressively so first thing she brings is quietude and then she begins to act slowly the instruments get tuned more and more to the higher consciousness and less and less to the lower consciousness and therefore and thereby the change begins to come so this is in short the broad landscape of this yoga there is a perfect consciousness within yogis know it every yogi worth his name has found it 
and shown the path to others to find it. That this perfect consciousness can be activated, lived, even matter can respond to this perfect consciousness. Material life can completely respond to this highest possible consciousness is a dream which Shurabindo and the mother has seen and a dream which is actually embedded in earth. As I said, all instinct for terrestrial perfection implies it. And one day, and the process of fulfilling this dream is the process of changing our human life into life divine. To allow our breath, our speech, our act, our feelings, our thoughts to be driven more and more by the divine Shakti and less and less by our egoistic, desire-driven consciousness, ignorant human consciousness. So this, in brief, is the landscape of Sri Yoga. And now we can have questions. Because this is the background on which we can talk. Otherwise, it's like, you know, how to make my marriage work better. Typical counsellor will be, well, try to learn to accommodate each other's views. That's not perfection. Everybody is doing it any which way. Do they have a choice? Do they have a choice? Anybody who wants to just carry on together have no choice. <laughs> this is not something to be taught. Think positive. All right, I know it. <laughs> That's not perfection. That's not making like perfect. Perfect uh, divine life is not adjustment. <coughs> Just some tolerance. All these are human ways which are all right. Tolerance implies that, well, look, you know, you use the word tolerance, no, nowadays. Oh, look at the word tolerance. It smacks of egoism. I tolerate you. You inferior creature. <laughs> it's not spoken. You fellow, but I tolerate you. Like a wife tolerates a husband. You smell awfully. You don't know where to keep your socks. You mess up the house. But I tolerate you. Tolerance doesn't... Uh, but does the mother say to a child, I tolerate you? What will she say? Whether I hold you close to my arms or I say, don't do this or I am strict. In all conditions, I... Love you. The power to change is not tolerance. That is a mental way. Is love. And human love doesn't have that capacity. That's what we see here. Because human love is... There is only one love. But this love when it enters the human <coughs> domain, it gets mixed up with ego and desire. So it becomes a love where I'll give you, but what are you going to give me in return? That's how many marriages get fixed, no? What is the boy doing? Okay. Five-figure salary. Acha hai. Ladka acha hai. Uske aage kuch dekhna nahi. Vaisi acha hai. What about the girl? Now, it's different. But pehle kya hoda tha? Kani, langdi, luli nahi hai. Very sad thing, no? She is... Alright. You know, that's the end of the story. So, she will give something... And you will give something and you will live happily there hereafter. But when we really look at the crux of the matter, that's not love. Isn't it? Some of the youngster. Yes, what is love? Can we, you know, just uh, talk about it a little. What is love? Is love about give and take? What is love? Unconditional giving. Human consciousness can only talk about it. But I am glad it is talking about it. <laughs> unconditional love. But unfortunately wants another person to love unconditionally. But that it is talking at least, you know, it's thinking that there is a possibility. But how do you practice unconditional love and discover true love? When you touch the source of love, somebody is to teach us, no, what is unconditional love? Where is that perfect example? That's where the contact with the divine consciousness. Then you discover that, my God, divine loves you in such a way. 
someone once told me that you know <laughs> funny things said uh, uncle young child 12th standard uncle all this is fine but i don't believe in god i said don't worry god believes in you <laughs> he's not offended is it then i said okay what god you don't believe in said a god who judges i said even i don't believe in such a god we are on the same page so what god you would want to believe in if you have to said god who loves unconditionally i said exactly we are on same page i also don't believe in such a god who is busy judging people with a carrot and rod in one hand and you know such a god is not god even ceos you know can do this job better <laughs> this is a conception of god we don't know the difference between conceptions of reality and the reality conceptions can be many you know conceptions are from very indirect sources somebody tells me oh so and so is like this so and so is like that like <laughs> what i may like <laughs> to do <laughs> maybe by the ocean side or the chocolatey <laughs> but that's a conception based on certain <laughs> <laughs> assumptions but reality may be very different from conceptions and assumptions i may just like to sit quietly and just be in a good company that's all <laughs> please do <laughs> but what i mean is that look conceptions and assumptions like people have assumptions about spiritual person isn't it he must wear things in a certain way to start with the dress Is he wearing a dress which spiritual persons wear? Shiva wears maragchala. You know, animal activists won't like it. Krishna, on the contrary, wears dress of kings. Is Krishna more spiritual or Shiva more spiritual? Who can decide it? He rides in the car and he strikes in the spears. He wars for the world and its ultimate years. the master of man and his infinite lover conceptions of god he is seated out there and i must fear him why why can't he be friend or he knows a uh, shoulder i can put my arms and say hey buddy let's go for a walk just a conception we have created a difference and we try to all relations that you can imagine you can have with the divine which is the most intimate relation Yes, most intimate relation that one can have with another person is that is the most uh, is supposed to be the purest relation, but a relation where you hide nothing. The child hides things from the mother. Mother knows it; it's a different thing. Mother, ah, huh, yes, mother also hides. That's right. But a relation where there is no hide hiding. and don't say husband and wife there is a lot of hiding out there <laughs> but what is that relation where you don't hide friends. friends friends or if you want to put it take it to its ultimate intensity lover and beloved until they get married <laughs> and life changes forever <laughs> friends very well said it is the future of all relationships mind you it is happening if parents don't become friends to children children are not going to accept them it's the future it's a new age if husband and wife don't become friends they are just going to tolerate each other <laughs> friends but there is also a need of intensity in love friendship can give you a lasting space but it cannot give intensity that comes when friendship is lifted to its acme of lover and beloved Now imagine if you can have a relation of lover and beloved with the divine. What did Mira sing? Meto saavari ke rang rachi, isn't it? Mere to girdhar Gopal le dusro na koi. Or she was married. How can she do this? She says, Mere to girdhar Gopal, the Lord who held the mountains, the guardian of light, Gopal. Gopal is by the way. Guardian of light, not just goes, not cows. Mere to Gir Dhar Gopal. Gir Dhar, one who holds this entire material base, who is below it, holding it, sustaining it. Gir Dhar, 
गोपाल दूसरों ना कोई दिस नन एल्स तात मात भ्रात बंधु आपनो ना कोई फादर मदर ब्रदर फ्रेंड आई हैव नन एल्स बट कीर्थर गोपाल व्हाट एन इंटेंसिटी ऑफ फीलिंग टुवर्ड्स द बिलविट व्हाट वाज द रिलेशन ऑफ कृष्णा एंड अर्जुना did arjuna put him on a dais and say i am going to do dhubbatti to you krishna would have run away i can tell you for sure that's why most of the temples god has started running away from churches and other places he has already run away because we treat him like that sometimes i find it very frightening <laughs> you know okay i mean look at christ such a great tremendous love that he embodies he was hanged by the most stupidest foolish person and look at the love that from the cross he says that forgive them for they know not what they are doing tremendous compassion but when you enter a church keep him like a beautiful image we don't have to give that image that relation that we can have with him a friend same with krishna all the time if he stands all the time you are putting all the flowers and all the diabetic sweets so to treat god is a friend arjuna treated him like a friend that's why he says that also who are you i don't uh, i thought that uh, you know you are a, you are some uh, my friend but suddenly you seem to be a brahmagyani krishna tells him i am still your friend don't worry <laughs> i'm just showing you my inner reality so spirituality assumptions conceptions spirituality is about a dress spirituality is about belonging to this or that sect cult religion a person who doesn't belong to any of these may be deeply spiritual spirituality is about belief spirituality is about neither belief nor non beliefs even we can make a cult out of non belief i read a book the religion of no religion it's so true you know when people say i am an atheist so we have slotted ourselves as bad as saying i am a theist slight difference is that theist has a door window open somewhere it's a belief so belief system is a belief system i believe in god i don't believe in god have you found god have you tried to explore god that would mean something so if somebody says i'm trying that's something worth pujniya but belief and non belief is belonging to a frame of mind conception it's a conception i my belief may be logical but my logic is limited by my data look at the problem of logic isn't it isn't logic limited by the data i see what my senses show me not reality the animal sees the world very differently the way from the way human sees it so when we really look at uh, if we, when we really want to find reality not through this frame of conceptions conceptions may be a good starting point it's all right like we start somewhere so we have a conception of god out there but as we grow closer and closer we see he is so intimate so intimate he is not just friend and beloved he is the very stuff of our being he is flowing in the veins is concretizing in the form of bones he is breathing in our breath and our cells he is the life of our life he is the mind of our mind in fact then you end up declaring ekamevadvityam there is none else but that then our search find some resting ground not the because the instruments have not realized the soul has realized in some ground my essential self has realized but the instruments are still ignorant they are stunned that's why in olden yogas when people realized it when they came back to earthly life they didn't know what to do with these instruments some of them went crazy they were regarded as mad they became outcast because they started living in a dangerous white freedom that's what happened to swami vivekananda when we went you know people didn't understand what what is he what is he talking about who is this man because they expected somebody who is going to you know talk in a typical religious way is a parliament of religions after all and look at just the opening sentence anyone remembers chicago address the opening sentence when he spoke brother and sisters of america to start with oh brothers and sisters <laughs> he regards his brother and sister 
I am proud and happy to come from a religion which talks about universal brotherhood because it's it's not just brotherhood of a few faithful followers. It believes in one reality, ekam sadvipra bahudha vadanti, but the why is called by different names. But at the end of it, when he you discover it, when you come to this life, the instrument don't know. For quite some time they are stunned. That is trance. Trance is not about some practice that I'll go into trance. And every time you see a watch and trance me gya ki nahi gya. Trance is not about sleeping, closing your eyes. Trance is not that others are seeing what's happening to us. Trance is when one comes in contact with this greater consciousness and the instrumental nature is stunned by that mighty presence. It doesn't know. It has never known anything of that kind. It can't even, it just perceives something vaguely. But when you come back, you are back to the gunas, back to the limitations. That's what the Gita ends with. It says in your consciousness you can become Trigunatit. When you act, you will act according to the three gunas. Isn't it? That's what the teaching of the Gita. Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. Now, Shobindu speaks about transformation of the gunas. Transformation about this instrumental nature. So that that consciousness can use this with perfect responsiveness. Right now it opens, but after a while, it tends to close again. A taste of it and then people want to jump and dance to contain it is so difficult. So this whole change and transformation of instrumental nature is the work undertaken by Mother and Shurabindu. And all else stems from that. Just as we started with marriage. So foundation of marriage is, let's talk a little bit, somebody had this question. Marriage, okay? Shall we talk a little bit about marriage? What is the foundation of marriage? Samaj? Society? Trust. I'm asking, yeah, trust. At least you are saying something more intrinsic. It's not a social institution. It's not a religious diktat. And God said, the two of you shall live here after together. <laughs> it's foundation is trust. And what is the foundation of trust? How far can trust go? Yes? Meaning thereby we come to the root power. If you come to know that, you know, whatever. Still you continue to? Yes? The word is love. Foundation of relationship is love. <coughs> Foundation of marriage is love. First acquire love. If we don't have love in the heart, forget about a perfect ideal marriage. It can be workable marriage. It's alright <laughs> sometimes. Or people may pull on together, happy to separate and happy to come together. Or as Shabindu puts it on another letter, separating to return and returning to separate. Notice, no? And two people are together, they are fighting with each other. Then there, there is a very nice system in India to keep this love fostering. What was it? Isn't it? So it worked, by the way. It still works. So after some time, when are you coming? Kab are you tum? Kya ho gaya? But he won't say that. He'll say, I am missing you. He's not missing you by the way. Huh? He's missing something else. But when there is love, there is no missing. You know, it's so strange. Love is the force that can unite you going beyond time and space. That's why the first day I spoke about the love of Radha and Krishna. They never married. They never got together. And humanity swears by their name. The love of Rama and Sita. They never had a happy life ever hereafter. But we speak about Rama and Sita. So this love is the foundation of marriage. Trust is the foundation of marriage. Where to find this love, this trust? They are all soul qualities. They are not... You know, they are very nice words to speak. 
there is you know i think keats has mentioned it never a word more profaned than love is some somebody may uh, remember those lines where he ends by saying i cannot give you what men call love what i can give you the adoration as from of earth to the star what a gap separates them but what unites them this longing this i can give you but i cannot give you what men call love there's never been a word i can tell you more profane if ever there was a blasphemy law <laughs> i don't believe in it it should be against the misuse of the word love i'm sure everybody knows it i love you so easily said and so quickly forgotten but there never was love it's a tragedy that people die without knowing what love is though they have used the word many times in all kinds of relationships so where to find this love you find it in the core of your being your core is love what was the image that was given by the uh, vedic rishis for this core the image of what was it that they worshiped most we see in both vedic religion and some other ancient religions what is that the god of the the primary god of the vedas agni mide purohitam agni you know what agni literally means ag kehte na aage badho agni comes from the root ag what does it mean to go forward so it is the leader this is the one who should be the leader of the march of life not this not the ignorant heart not the passion certainly not and surely the body is poor fellow is just a docile if they are the leaders life will stumble agni is here the fire that leads this was the image so what was what turned out to be a custom in some ancient places you see fire temple so what what happened in in indian marriage how do you what do you keep in the center fire it's a reminder what is the reminder first you have the going around how many times seven times who leads how many times four and three okay meaning thereby that at the center don't put your ego his ego her ego father in law mother in law father mother money whatever if you put them in the center that is not the space for them at the center there is the soul power fire at the center there is aspiration when two beings come together with the same aspiration the deepest aspiration aspiration is not ambition oh we both want to make money let's go no aspiration the deepest aspiration then love is born between two beings but this fire must be lit and at the center this fire is there whenever they have a dispute that there is the basis of resolving dispute the true basis what is the life i have chosen we have chosen you see the stories of the great one august and lopamudra agastya fell in love with lopamudra and lopamudra fell in love with agastya it's described very picturesquely almost romantically you know why her name is lopamudra as she stepped out and saw agastya she became just standing like this and gazing who is this great luminous being lopamudra that's how the word comes lop she forgot completely mudra how she is standing look at the beauty in the name and they come together and what is there is a very nice dialogue which is described in one of the scriptures that they two are talking what are they discussing normally what do we discuss acha bank mein kitna paisa ho gaya jama che kal bill dena hai bacche ka admission kahan karayenge ye discussions hote hai na normally aaj kaun si picture jana hai agast lopa mudra ka kya sambhad ho raha hai you know how much we have been digging deep into human nature how much more we have to dig so that the light can be established there 
mother and shubindo mother describes when she comes back from japan and she looks at shubindo and she has a question in her mind will it be this time lives after lives we have labored to establish this divine life upon earth will it happen this time and shubindo says yes and the mother says that that moment she saw the supermind come down and establish upon earth we have samvad of sita and rama you know what is the samvad of sita and rama it's described in original one rama tells sita you know the time has come for the work to be done but if you remain in your full splendor as jagan mata forget ravana a whole army can't come near you will you veil yourself so she says all right i'll veil myself so she gives herself to agni that is the other sense of the agni pariksha she gives herself to agni so out of vidyamayi ichhaya avidyamayi she becomes as if she doesn't know and how beautifully the poet describes the state of ignorance she doubts lakshmana she asks rama to run after the maya mrik she is the divine mother she would have known it but she suddenly veils herself and becomes avidyamayi for the asura to come otherwise he can't even approach her what is the dialogue which took place between sri ramakrishna and shardama know this story anyone knows this story they are married and when shardama comes and sri ramakrishna paramans so he says you know i know all women want to be mothers do you want to be mother of one child of a few children or mother of the worlds he says mother of the world you know what sri ramakrishna did next bowed down at her feet and said ma jagan ma you know what shurbindo wrote to his wife nilani devi this is a letter he writes and the letter is a famous letter where he describes his three madnesses and he says ki tum bahut bhuli ho i know you are misguided by many things that people say about what life should be but what to do a madness your husband is a madman and then he describes that in india we loved madmen <laughs> if he succeeds he becomes a god or if he fails he is mad but he described we loved extreme characters and then he says that the first madness that i have is while people believe that there is god i want to see god i'm not happy just by believing that there is god what is the second madness he says that there are millions of people who are knocking at my door and i have the strength to help them would you not be with me in this great work look at what a dialogue just imagine for a moment husband and wife are talking like this i know i have the strength to uplift this fallen race should be those words will you be my shakti on this way when i read it i have tears in my eyes ki what it what is this exchange of letters not ye so how are you when are you coming let's go to us and make some fortune would you come with me just imagine this is the basis of a deep relationship that love which burns in the core of a heart this is the fire around which marriages take place and we we have it within us we can awaken it it's not that uh, it's only some rare exceptional <coughs> beings nobody would have known about these letters but they were the britishers who seized it and they became public so how should been those life was when he had money you know how he lived what did he do with his money any idea he just put it in a open plate anybody could 
pick it up and dinendra nath roy tells him sir you know you are doing this people will steal he says on the contrary it proves that people are honest enough because at the end of the month whatever i need has been done <laughs> trust we spoke about trust to what extent trust can go this is the path shown to us by those who have gone be ahead of us so yoga is about that yoga that's the power of sacrifice it's not a play thing that's for sure is the greatest adventure that mankind has ever undertaken but then it is the final adventure mother has said my child is the greatest adventure if it engages you interests you come what did kabir say about this adventure he says जो घर फूके आप ना चले हमारे साथ मोस्ट इम्प्रैक्टिकल फेलोज इफ यू आर रेडी टू बर्न योर हाउस कम विद मी दैट्स द वे शॉन टू अस बाय दोज हैव गॉन बिफोर अस एनी अदर क्वेश्चन दोज वॉन्ट टू रीड दे इज अ वेरी नाइस पैसेज इन the mother's collected works it's there in volume 14 or 15 most likely 14 on marriage and children where she talks about the union at the seven planes see foresaw a time when marriage as an institution is going to go away to and why to allow truth otherwise people are compelled to live together so she said it it's for the women because now many of them cannot live their own life because they are tied and they can't because there are lot of issues involved so ultimately in marriage a third thing is going to come along with trust and love where there is perfect trust and perfect love there is freedom it is said that the last act of love i say this when people are going through grief and you know somebody has died so i tell them that look you know it's understandable that you you are suffering because someone is gone that person rationally we don't know whether he is suffering or not if matter is the only thing he is obviously not suffering if spirit is the peak he is not suffering but you are suffering why because you love and then i tell them would you like to make a last act of love love isn't it yes so the last act of love is to set the person free set him free because you love love is not about grief and tying and holding my me mine possessing love is about setting the person free if you can set the person free in life wonderful if not at least in death so one can read this passage maybe you can copy it and circulate to everyone it's a wonderful passage given in the ashram when people get married i don't know whether you receive you must have received it 